are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. All right, everyone, welcome back to Green Industry Perspectives. I'm your host, Ty Deemer. I'm on the marketing team here at Single Ops, and we've got a repeat guest for you today, an awesome guy in the industry helping people in the space run their marketing and sales efforts, Chad Diller of Landscape Leadership. Chad, welcome back to the show. Hey, Ty, I'm glad to be back. Uh, It was a lot of fun last time, so I'm looking forward to following up on our conversation last time. Yeah, for sure. Thanks again for joining us, Chad. So like you remember from last episode, we always like to start off with the same question, provide immediate value for our audience. And it's pretty straightforward. So in your work at Landscape Leadership, what are the top two to three common threads that you see in successful landscape companies in today's world? Good question. So just to give you a little context, so we specialize in marketing and sales strictly for the green industry. And we work primarily with really innovative uh, lawn care, landscaping, tree service, pest companies that are somewhere around $2 million to $20 million in revenue. And in our last episode, you and I talked a lot about marketing. At the end, we started getting a little bit into the sales subject. So I thought um, you and I both thought it'd be great to have another conversation again. And so as, as I think about clients and companies that I know that are very successful, three things that stand out to me specifically how it relates to sales is the first thing is this, that they have a comprehensive sales process analysis. They don't just look at a few metrics. They look at everything within their sales process and analyze it. The second thing is, is that they they all use data-based sales coaching. So they use the information to improve their team. Mm -hmm. So to improve their process and to coach people to get better and to sell more. And then the third thing that I notice is that companies that are successful have like the synergistic marketing and sales initiatives or Mm -hmm. departments, meaning that marketing and sales are both informed. They both know what each parts are doing and understand those roles. And sales utilizes marketing assets and marketing utilizes salespeople in how they're delivering messages and how they're creating content. Yeah, I love that last point too, because I think for like us being a software company at Single Ops, like we understand what you're getting there. But I I do believe that's something that a lot of landscape companies in the space could learn about and understand how marketing and sales really is supposed to be cohesive. And marketing isn't just like print ads or putting out mailers each year. It's it's way more than that. So I'm sure we'll be able to dive more into that as the show goes on. Kind of one thing that we always like to do at the beginning of the episodes is just to provide guests with uh, an idea of or our audience, an idea of who our guests are. So I'd love for you to just kind of talk about your background for maybe people that didn't get to join us for your first episode and just share, like, how did you get involved in the green industry? And then what do you do today at Landscape Leadership? If you would have asked me in 1998, when I took my first job spraying lawns, uh, what I'd be doing in what is that? 23 years later, I, I certainly never would have guessed this. I took the job like many people in our industry do because it was seemed like a good opportunity to pay the bills. And I kind of fell in love with it. You know, I like being outside. So I was a lawn care spray technician, learned more about trees and then became a, a tree care technician as well. 
And I love selling in the field. That was one of the things, uh, one of the companies that I worked for, we, we had a, like a big incentive to sell. So I used to talk to neighbors and, you know, I loved selling. It, it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Eventually, uh, I left that company, a big national company, and went to work for a company in Pennsylvania. It was about a $13 million company. And as a technician there for a couple of years, there was a, an account manager role that came available. And I was super excited about it because before the company I worked for before, I wasn't <laughs> very enchanted with sales because I didn't mm-hmm. really believe in the company, but this company was a great company. And so that's what I did. And for about seven years, I was an account manager. I sold not just lawn care and tree care, but I sold tree pruning. I sold you know, maintenance programs, mm-hmm. small design install, and we actually eventually got into spell, uh, selling structural pest control. And that then transitioned in my career to uh, how I fell in love with marketing. Uh, as I looked at some of the things outside vendors were doing and pitched a full-time marketing role and did that for about four and a half years at the company. So it wasn't until 2016 uh, about five and a half years ago that I started working for a marketing agency um, mm-hmm. and here at Landscape Leadership. So I say that to, to point out that you know sales is in my blood and I do a lot of sales here too. And I talk with our clients a lot about their sales processes and tools. And so it's something that is a passion of mine as well. Yeah, that's all great. We talked kind of before we hit record just about how valuable it is to have been in these companies that you service. How do you feel like that aids in your mindset when you're talking through people? Are you still drawing on the experiences you had 10, 15 years ago when you were in their positions? Like, is that still like take you back down memory lane all the time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, I write articles and like semi-fictionalized people that are real people <laughs> <laughs> that I used to work with or clients that I had to deal with. It's very helpful. Like when I write content because it's it's a real life situation or when I'm talking to our clients or prospective clients and I can, I can basically read their mail. I mean, like I've been there. I know what this is like. It's, it's super frustrating at times and it's hard. It's not easy to, to, to sell this type of work or market it. So I love that I could look back on the last 20 years and not say, wow, I didn't get to use that 15 years of my life for anything. Like I use it every day, every yeah, single day. That's really cool. And it's probably extremely valuable for your clients too, because it's they're not having to explain kind of the more nuanced parts of the struggles. It's like, no, like been there, done that. I get it. Let's that's, skip that's over awesome. and get to work. Yeah, exactly. You don't have yeah. to, it's not them just downloading pain points and knowledge. That's awesome. So we're going to spend most of our time today talking about sales, sales process. But one of the ways I kind of wanted to start around this conversation was just talking about the mistakes and the struggles that are made in sales in this space. I think everyone has some recipe going into each season of how they're going to hit their growth goals. Hopefully they have growth goals and they're they're forecasting for that sort of thing. But I wanted to hear from your experience in working with companies, what do you really see are the biggest mistakes landscapers are making in terms of sales and business development year after year? Sure. So if people are listening to this and you own a landscape company and it's not a huge company, you're probably wearing many hats. You're probably the sales manager. Uh, maybe you're listening to this and you are a sales manager. You have several people underneath you and they they sell a variety of different types of work. And so the big mistake that I see is within how they manage their sales teams. They manage based on closed revenue. That's what they look at, how much estimates are out, what's the closed revenue. And they also rely too much on like their gut, their feelings about how things are going. 
and also anecdotal evidence. So let me give you an example. Okay. So let's, let's for create a fictional example. This isn't a real person. I promise. <laughs> um, but let's, let's talk about Ted. Okay. So Ted, he's been on the sales team for a long time. He's a good guy. Okay. He believes in the company. He's pretty much a good team member and he's a top performer. So he's one of the guys that sells the most on the team. Uh, he's super well connected. So he always have conversations, you know, with his team members or when the sales meetings, when they're all talking about what's going on and he's name dropping, he's telling stories about, you know, mixing it up with these different prospects. A lot of times you see Ted, he's at his desk, you know, he's at his desk, he's, he's working on estimates or he's out in a field, you know, and you're not really quite sure what he's doing, but you know what, Ted hits his numbers. So let's just leave him alone. Right. You know, he's totally fine. He's not missing any opportunities. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I mean by like they're relying too much on on just yeah. this anecdotal information. Um, so they're looking at closed deals. Like that's the only measure of success as far as a lot of companies are are concerned. How much did this person sell last year? That's it. How do you know though what opportunities are lost? You know, and then if you have someone like Ted's a good guy, he's probably you shouldn't get rid of him. Maybe you need some help, but you shouldn't get rid of him. But we have these other people on the sales team that we hire sometimes. And how long does it go until those people like get coached mm-hmm. um, or replaced? How long does it go until companies realize that they probably lost hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars of revenue because nobody was coaching them? So they're, they're only looking at closed revenue. They don't look at what is the lost revenue. You know, maybe you could have changed course and staffed differently or added more reps. Like I was a salesperson. I remember three times in seven years, my, my territory got cut and we added people. And every time we have that happens, you, everybody freaks out or whatever, but you know what yeah. I saw, I kept selling more because you, you, you get more opportunity, you learn how to sell better or whatever you get better at your craft. And so from a management standpoint, it's really important like to look at what are these lost opportunities? What's the potential? And if you can't measure that and you're only looking at how much these people have closed and what your overall revenue growth is, you're missing a huge part of success and part of uh, your potential to grow. Yeah. As you were talking through that, it's almost like from a sales manager or an, if you're at a smaller company where you're like the owner operator, sales manager, everything, it's like creating a posture of asking like, what if or why kind of throughout your sales funnel as a company and understanding really just asking important questions. And off, obviously you can create and a system for doing that at scale. But that really seems like what you're getting at there is you have to be asking like, what's really under the hood of the current results, right? Yeah, absolutely. Getting the information is, is critical. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about like, you know, like asking those questions and that kind of leads to like kind of like the, the second thing that leads to a great sales process would be you actually have to have a sales process. Mm-hmm. And it has to be predetermined and documented. Now there is flexibility within the sales process. But a lot of this is predictable. Like you, you understand the different stages. You understand what should be happening. It should be written down somewhere. I can't tell you how many times I had to train new salespeople. We had no documentation. There's no training manual. We were just teaching them how we kind of figured out what we did. Mm-hmm. Nothing documented. And this is a, a, a hugely successful company with a great character that people love working at. And you know, it's it's really important to do that. And and within that process, it has to be measurable. There has to be certain things that are measured. It's not meant to like beat people over the head. 
but it's meant to have some accurate information. Like you can't just measure estimates and close deals. I mean, if you if you sell, if you're listening to this and you sell commercial maintenance, you know that there is a lot more to sales that happens before you get to an estimate stage. So how are you measuring that? Like there has to be all that activity. It has to be measured before mm-hmm. estimate and after estimate. Because you're not going to ever know what opportunities you're personally missing or your team is missing if you can't measure that. And the last thing, it has to be like really easy too. Like we talk about getting all this data and some people might be hearing this and might be like, wow, this is, oh my goodness, what is this going to require of me as a salesperson? It has to be easy for the salesperson. It has Mm -hmm. to be easy for their managers to report on it. And ultimately it has to be really easy on the customer because that's what's most important. So you should be able to have this predetermined documented process that captures all that information and in that character. Yeah, that's a really interesting point too when you talk about that last point of it's it's easy on everyone because going back to your fictional story of Ted who's not real obviously and <laughs> he's got his rhythms, right? You talk about he he's always doing something, he's always got on his routine and he's hitting his numbers. So that's there. I feel like with this area of a company, there are a lot of issues on around adoption of a new sales process because a lot of your older guard and sales will say, well, we've always done it this way and it's never, there's never been a problem with it before. If you are making changes to a sales process or you're trying to start asking those why questions and reporting, what would you suggest to people that are listening that's saying like, how am I going to get my team bought into this? Or how are you going to make it easy on them? Do you have any examples for that? You know, I don't remember where I heard this at one point in time, but I remember a long time ago, it's called the law of the lid. Like the the water only boils up to the top of the lid. Like Mm -hmm. if you are the leader in the organization, like it should be bubbling up to the top of where you're at. So if you as the leader are not passionately driving the adoption of new processes and technology, people might fall in line, but it's it's just not going to go well. And w- whenever I train people on technology and how to use it, like you were asking about that practical experience, I love talking about times where I did this or times where you're going to experience this scenario and then immediately tying it to a benefit for them. Salespeople are really selfish. I mean, they were, they are, I mean, like, they're like, what's in it for me? You're like, I, that's great that you have all this information, but you know, it's going to take all this time. If you mm-hmm. can show them that all, you know, they might have to take like two steps back to take five steps forward later. Yeah. And you can show them that there is a path to success. And yes, this, this might be new, and challenging, but it's going to ultimately make you more money and you're going to go home and not have to worry about this stuff. And whatever their goals are, you have to connect that to what's important to them. And frankly, if they're not going to do that, you should get rid of them and find somebody that's going to do it because we don't want to have companies where people refuse to innovate and have that attitude of, well, this has worked. Why are we changing it? Because sometimes things need to be changed. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good point. And I yeah, I think it really does start with what you mentioned first there is any type of process adoption, whether it's towards safety or whether it's towards training or, or technology or sales process, every it all starts with leadership and the buy-in up top and it flowing down from there. So it's if it's clear that the the leadership isn't bought in on a process change or a technology change. It won't, it won't follow through to the rest of your team. So you, 
it's got to come from there. Yep. Kind of the next topic around this sales process stuff that I wanted to go through was obviously leveraging technology in the sales process. You know, a lot of people are starting to adopt software. Single Ops is uniquely aware of that because we're working with hundreds of companies across the space. But a lot of people and a lot of companies are maybe using some form of software, but not using it to its fullest ability. Some people aren't leveraging marketing technologies enough to aid in the sales process. Some people are still using pen and paper and a giant whiteboard. I want you to just be able to talk through like, how can landscapers begin leveraging tech in their sales process to become more efficient and sell more? I understand that everybody listening to this might be at different places. And so we'll kind of start kind of at the bottom. So like at minimum, you should be using technology like single ops, something like that to run your business. You know your product, your your listeners can check out the full suite of, of the sources. Uh, I mean, the, the different features of that. So at least to create your estimates and get your proposal signed. Like at minimum, from a sales perspective, that's what you should be doing. But that's a starting point. It's not the end. And and like I said in the beginning, you know, like we deal with clients that are kind of past that point. Like they're they're all using, for the most part, some sort of landscape business software. Mm -hmm. And you should also, when you leverage your technology, you should outline your sales process, standard operating procedures as it relates to how you're using this technology. You should look at your process. And when you look at your process, you know, like we talked about like anything from like, I'm a business developer meeting someone at a, at a Boma mixer or, or I'm on a lead already. Like I'm at there doing a consultation, no matter where you're at, there are certain activities that you can document in that sales process that should be happening. There are emails that should be going. There are calls that should be happening. There are meetings, you know, whether it's on the phone or virtual or on site. There are those things that should be happening. So those things, as you look at your technology, you should be looking at your process and then figuring out like, okay, how can my technology support these different parts of the process? The other thing too, is you got to look at your pipeline. So a pipeline is just a word for like, okay, I define a pipeline in landscape, in landscape sales as someone has requested a consultation and has undergone some level of pre-qualification. Like they're in my service area, their budget's like not out of whack crazy, they want my services. And so I intend to go have a consultation with them. And so your pipeline, you know, it, it, it might have these stages. You might have, you, you can't just have three stages in your pipeline. You can't mm-hmm. be like, it's a lead, it's closed one or closed loss. Yeah. There are other stages. So like when you think about design build, you, you have a consult requested and then you have a consult scheduled. Then you have a consult completed. Then it goes to the design phase then you have a presentation, then maybe you do a revision, and then you have a proposal, and then you're closing it or you're losing it. So there's a lot of stages. So you have to have kind of like what your examples are, like how do you move them through that pipeline? And the other thing too is is to look at, uh, we call it sales velocity. There's like a formula you can use to figure it out if you want to, but you don't have to. But it's basically looking at you know, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the starting point is using something like single ops, but I'll talk a little bit about some of the technology our clients use, but you need to look at where are things getting clogged in the pipeline? Mm-hmm. Like, is it taking us uh, from the time we have a consultation with the prospect? Is it taking us three weeks to get them a maintenance lead? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a sales problem, you know, and then you can't say all oh, these leads suck. It's no, there's a problem here. So we need to address yeah. that. 
And without measuring it, how are you going to know? And then the other thing too is like capturing why are these deals lost? You know, if it's something at the beginning of the stage, you never get to a proposal. Maybe there's something wrong, like your qualification, your pre-qualification process that you're, you're wasting time on consults and, and you're losing all these deals that maybe shouldn't have even gotten that point to begin with. Or maybe you did get the proposal stage and you're, you're losing deals and, and you look at that and you look at, okay, well, this one guy, man, he cannot close tree pruning proposals. Well, yeah. what, you know, if you can get that information, then you can look at that and you can coach that team member how to do that. Yeah. It can also drive so many decisions about different aspects of your business as well. Like closed loss data can really be a key to unlocking like huge parts of your pipeline. If you can start solving towards them and looking towards it, we like as a software company, we look at that regularly. And sometimes we're even asking people that don't end up going with us like, Hey, why? Um, Like, what's the reason behind it? Because maybe it wasn't the project, the project wasn't a priority, or maybe it's something we could be doing like foundationally better. I'm sure landscape companies could use that as well. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we talked about this, like, I think the starting point is, is using something like single ops where you can get your, your contact information in there. You can prepare estimates, you can deliver them to clients, you can mm-hmm. give them a user experience where they can sign them online and do that. A lot of our clients also use uh, another tool, um, full disclosure, we're, we're a HubSpot solutions partner. And so we use that to build our clients' websites. It has a marketing suite that we use to a lot of the marketing functions. And there's also a sales hub within in HubSpot. And so the clients that have kind of like a tool, like single ops or, or one of those landscape business software that do that, that want like a level of sophistication that I'm talking and so, talking about and suggesting in their sales process, um, HubSpot does all these things that I just mentioned. So mm-hmm. it, it'll measure all the calls, all the emails, all the meetings. It'll look at all those timeframes. It'll look at the sales velocity. You, you can have, pull some really great reports and really have some data-based insight. And the other thing that we love about it too, is that it connects with Google Workspace. So if you use Gmail or Google Calendar, it also connects with Outlook 365. So your mail and your calendar. And if you choose to use that as your CRM, it will feed all that information. So it's complete transparency for a sales manager or a business owner. And it also connects with your phone. So you can call from the mobile app or call from your desk phone. It's all connected. After you're done with your calls, you log your notes um, very easily in a very streamlined process for a sales rep that's really easy to do. And, And so we love that because you can take all this information. And then instead of having sales meetings where you're saying, okay, what do you got going on? What's going on with this deal? You have all the information. So it, it, from a salesperson's perspective, like nobody likes being micromanaged. So uh, a good sales manager can take, take a look at this and identify the biggest problems and then coach their team members to help, uh, to help them get better. And then instead of having all these like useless conversations, they can just look and see what's going on. Yeah, um, that's... Sorry, not to cut you off. That sounds so no. valuable for a sales rep meeting where you're going in, having a conversation around exactly what you said. Like, hey, what's the news? Like, where are we at with this? Manager comes in, he knows where they're at. You cut out that 30 minutes of basically just pandering conversation, trying to figure out what's going on and just go in straight with action items. It seems like you could take hour long meetings and cut them into 20 minutes based off of just the information readily available there. Yep. Absolutely. And just the, the meaningless calls throughout the day, like, you know, 
hey, what's going on with this deal? Well, it's right there. You can see what's going on with it. You can see the last time someone called, the last time somebody sent an email, you know what's going on. And it, it just saves sales reps a lot of time and aggravation. They don't have to keep reporting to their sales manager what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the things that I kind of wanted to circle back to around this topic, and it was one of your kind of key parts of or the top two to three common threads that you see um, in successful companies that you work with, you mentioned just like this relationship between sales and marketing, calling it synergistic. And there's just this unified awareness and utilization of both. And I would love for you to kind of touch on the importance of that or the impact of that a little bit more for our audience. Because I think I'm a little bit more biased towards marketing because I love marketing. It's what I do every day. I think great marketing can be such a catalyst for so many businesses. But I, I do wonder if that's... I feel like that's something that a lot of green industry companies don't embrace as much, that marketing can really be a tool for them to grow and make their sales team more effective. So... I think it would be helpful for you to explain what that relationship could or should look like for companies out there. Sure. I'll give you two examples. We'll do it from the sales side. We'll do it from the marketing side. Okay. Yeah. So if you're a marketing agency or even a marketing person within a company and all right, let's use this for example, say you're going to create a piece of content. Maybe it's written content, maybe it's video content, and you're putting that in front of prospective clients. Who better to inform you about the best questions that prospects have than salespeople, Mm -hmm. you know, so, and, and who better to deliver those messages, to give insight on those messages. So, you know, when I, when I used to do blogging at the the company that I was at, um, we wrote 477 blog posts in the the four and a half years I was marketing. And Mm -hmm. I got a little burnout, to be honest, as we got, (laughs) got a little long into that, you know, we had a couple of years, we, we were doing three a week. I mean, like we were going hard at it. And so what we did is uh, the sales manager and I talked and I said, I want, we got some designers, we got some account managers that, man, they're just, they're experts in this stuff and they're good yeah. communicators. And I want them to write three articles this year. And some of those articles were just brilliant stuff yeah. because they had a perspective on it that was so practical to a prospective client reading that piece of marketing that it was just like, I'm one brain. I can only do so much. So it's yeah. great for salespeople to be involved to inform the marketing decisions and to make sure that these aren't abstract constructs. They're, they're actual practical problems that you're trying to solve in your marketing. Mm-hmm. Now, from the other aspect, the other angle of this, you think about a salesperson, a lot of time, and this is probably the more guilty thing, uh, guilty instance that happens is salespeople just, they don't see the value in the marketing or they don't even know what's going on from a marketing mm-hmm. perspective. So, and even if they did, how could they leverage pieces in the marketing strategy to improve their sales process? So for example, we write a lot of case studies for clients and actually produce videos that are video case studies where clients are, talk, uh, are talking about the problems that they had account managers on the video, they're talking about the relationship, they're showing the property and all that. Well, if you're a salesperson, so say this is a case study for a, a local private college, mm-hmm. and that's a sector you're going after. And then you have another prospect that is the facility director at another college. Why would you not want to use that marketing asset in your sales process? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what I'm saying about the two departments have to be connected and informed and help create a cohesive strategy that has synergy, like it works together. 
And then you have to figure out, again, going back to documenting that process, like what part in our prospecting sequence does it make sense to deliver a specific case study to a specific type of client? And has marketing created that asset? Have they written a guide or a resource that I can use instead of saying, hey, can we talk? Hey, can we talk? No, here is something useful and that one of our clients is contributing to that is super powerful. And that's what I mean by having a sales team that works together with marketing so that they're both enhancing each other. Yeah, that's a perfect answer. Kind of exactly what I was looking for you to explain. I, I think like it's funny, the crossovers between a landscaping business, probably what you all do at Landscape Leadership and then as a software company internally, how we do things, it's, it, it works the exact same way. It's you ha- You really that synergy between the two departments, you make each other better. From the marketing standpoint, listening to your sales team and kind of what pain points they're coming in to contact with or what conversations are they picking up on that people really care about? And that type of stuff changes with seasons and when priorities pop up. So having that open dialogue and then salespeople that are willing to leverage value in their outreach and give their customers resources to work with instead of just an ask every time it it can can really make conversations go a lot smoother one of the last kind of topical questions i wanted to go over with you was just this time of year is a little bit unique in the sense a lot of people it's really slow because of winter if they're not offering snow services this can kind of be a time to kind of recoup and plan for the next year and I guess my question for you is like, if you were leading a sales team right now, what are some of the things that you would be prioritizing to have a really strong spring season? Well, that's a, that's a good question, but maybe I'll offer further clarify your question by just making a statement that if you haven't done the foundational things, like setting up a process, learning how to measure activity, you know, you can do some things for the short term to try to drive activity and do that sort mm-hmm. of thing, but it, you're going to go another year where you're not going to have these metrics. You're not going to have these processes. I mean, I would say it's January right now. I, I know that people have a lot of things going on and the season's going to start soon, but start with the pieces, start outlining the tasks and the framework of the things that you need to do as a sales manager or an owner of a company and start working on those things. The really foundational top level things really need to happen. You can't just go after like what drives the immediate activity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I say at minimum, like in the midst of that, if, if your sales reps are looking for opportunities, the things that hopefully your system can gather some sort of data so that you can look at missed opportunities that maybe aren't completely snuffed out. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe there are some like lukewarm, uh, possibilities that you could reach out to now before spring gets busy that you could, you know, reignite the flame there. And, and so there's, there's probably a lot of those, those things. Um, Look at, you know, like someone that had a one-time job and it wasn't a renewable service, but they maybe might want it again. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, like if they trim their older shrubs on the property and um, or, or even trees, you know, and they don't need done, go back in your records and look and see, okay, you know what? It's probably about time. Maybe I should just reach out and, and touch base with that client. Yeah, that requires being able to capture that information and look. No at doubt it. that the one of the best examples I've seen of that is just someone they they phrase it as being an advocate for their clients, where 
the sales rep goes around the property. They know everything that needs to be done year round. And perfect example is each year they had their crate myrtles being pruned. It wasn't a renewable service, exactly like you said. And he just has it set as a reminder to follow up at the same time every year around when that's supposed to happen. And he does it. And the client literally goes, yep, thanks for reminding me. Like, come on out. And it's like really setting up those processes that are repeatable for yourself, not only to help with your sales, but just creates a great experience for the client because they know that you're they're top of your mind. And, and that's super important as well. Um, yeah, and I would say just look at ways to create um, value in your prospect or customer experience. But salespeople, you know, they're, they're always looking for that opportunity. Like you, you need any help right now? Like you're going right for the ask. I mean, try to try to help your prospects. So like if there's a resource that you have or a video or something, send them something of value so that they can learn something. And sometimes they don't even read it. It might be an article that you wrote on your blog. They might not even read it, but it might just be like, oh yeah, you know what? I was thinking about doing that. And you can snag a couple opportunities out of it, but go at, go in it with the attitude of really wanting to help them. Yeah, that's such a good point too. Leading with value instead of an ask can just go a really long way. We're kind of towards the back end of our conversation. And I always like asking our guests just kind of more of a forward thinking question. What kind of comes next for you in this year? And what are you most excited about in the work that you're doing with your clients and maybe some of the results that you're ready to see your clients achieve in 2022? Yeah, you know, at Landscape Leadership, we've been around about 10 years now. We've always just done marketing for lawn and landscape companies and built websites and, and done all these different digital marketing tasks. And as I shared, you know, like over the last, you know, like five, six years, there's been an increasing amount of our clients that now have done such a great job at marketing. They're trying to close more and more of their sales and they want to improve mm -hmm. their sales organization. And so we've, we've had increased demand from our clients, um, which is great because we wanted them to do this all along yeah. um, to focus on the sales side. And I've actually had a lot of companies that they come to us first because they have a sales problem and don't necessarily perceive they have a marketing problem. And so we are really excited about leaning more into some digital selling uh, engagements with clients into the future, creating these assets like we talked about and teaching the sales team how to leverage technology and really conveniently and easily send things to prospects and customers to move them along through the pipeline to help answer the biggest questions that they have in a useful interesting, uh, attractive way to overcome objections, uh, to keep leads from stalling out in, in mid pipeline. So that's, that's one thing like creating those and, and developing the systems and tools to do that and training uh, salespeople how to do that. The other thing is, you know, one thing that I use a lot in my own sales process. And if you look at other industries that they use too, is there's this whole thing of personalized one-to-one -one videos and sales mm -hmm. where you email or text a video to a client and send them a video, a short video message that's really compelling and visual. And so how can you use one-to-one -one video in the sales process, no matter where you're at? Mm -hmm. uh, third thing would be is how can we leverage all of the technology that we have and other features that it has to just really just make this more efficient yeah. for our reps? to make it easy for our reps, to make it easy for our customers and just overall to make it more effective. So that's that's the third thing. And so we're really excited about that. There'll be more stuff coming. So I would 
encourage you if you're not connected with me on social media or whatever to definitely do that because I'll be sharing examples as we as we've been debuting them. No, that's all really exciting. That that'll be a really fun thing to follow along with. And then just more generally, if people have been listening to this episode and are kind of picking up on whether it's the last episode and they recognize all the help they could have on marketing, or if they're looking for some of this sales help, how can people get in contact with you or landscape leadership and have that kind of be a conversation they have with you? So I'm going to practice what I preach right now. I'm going to say that if you're a good salesperson, you should be willing to just help people regardless of what it gets for you. And I would say that that is my first and foremost goal here is by doing this podcast is not to get leads. It's to really just position myself as there to help. Uh, So I would say that if you're a landscape company uh, that's over $2 million in revenue and you have several people on your sales team and you're really ready to take your sales organization into like this digital age, the best things that you could do right now would be connect with me on LinkedIn just search Chad Diller. Um, look for my YouTube channel as well. Check out landscapeleadership.com. And we have so many resources that you can learn so many things about your business. Someday, even if you're not a $2 million company right now, you're going to get a ton of information, a ton of help out of that stuff. And someday, if you want to talk and it's 18 months or two years down the road, I'd love to talk, but you can do that by going through our website. Perfect. Yeah. And just to kind of piggyback off of that, we'll link to all of those things in the show notes. But also, I follow you on LinkedIn. I've checked out your YouTube channel. Really, no matter what size business you are, a lot of what you put out is resourceful and you can learn from. So would definitely encourage everyone to check that out. And overall, I think we were able to cover a really bunch of interesting topics around the sales process today. And I hope this episode is valuable to the audience and really appreciate you just taking the time to come on and talk through all that with us. I appreciate the opportunity to, to help out people in the industry, Ty. So let's do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. And hope you and the team at Landscape Leadership have a great start to 2022. Thanks again, Chad. Same to you. See you later. Thanks for listening to this episode of Green Industry Perspectives presented by Single Ops. If you got some value out of this episode, drop us a five-star review on your favorite streaming platform. And don't forget to become a pro member of the podcast at singleops.com slash podcast. As a pro member, you'll get notified of each new episode, access to exclusive bonus content, and be entered in to win some great prizes. Thanks, and don't forget to tune in next week.